Right now, that's not possible. But I am grateful that we can be together in the Spirit. I am grateful that we can together worship the Lord in the Spirit, hear God's Word together, and respond together in God's Word. So until that time that we can be here physically, let me encourage you, please, uh, shelter in place, be safe, follow the guidelines, and we're going to continue to pray that uh, this pandemic will lift and we will come to that day where we will all be able to gather in God's house and worship the Lord together in his presence. But until that day, uh, we are going to continue to broadcast, to live stream different events. Uh, I want to encourage you, ladies, on Friday uh, in the mornings, their, uh, Harmony is doing uh, their live streaming of their Bible study on Esther, so you really want to uh, tune in on to that. You can check our, our, our page for that, and it'll give you all the information that you need. Uh, and during this message, if there's something that is ministering to your heart, let me encourage you to like it uh, and begin to share it with your friends and your family members. Uh, and uh, if they're not on social media, send them a message. Call them up. Tell them they need to get on there and, uh, so that we can use social media to spread the gospel message. I want to take a moment, too, to say thanks to those who are helping behind the scenes. You don't see them. You only see me, obviously, but there are. Uh, Pastor Tom is here. Uh, Jonathan is here with me uh, working in the technical stuff. I know that Kirby works from home to help us out. So we thank God for all those that are making our live streaming and all the broadcasts that we do possible. And I know that you will continue to pray for them, that God will bless them a special blessing for all that their labor of love. Now let's get to God's Word. For the benefit of those who may not have been with us last week, we were talking about the ascension of Jesus Christ and how it impacts our life. We were talking about how uh, the ascension of Jesus Christ, uh, th first thing, he, he, went, he ascended to prepare a place for us that right now he's preparing a place in the Father's house in heaven for you and for me, for all of those who follow and embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus also ascended so he can always pray for us. For the Bible says he lives always to pray for us, seated at the right hand of the Father. And then lastly, we saw that Jesus ascended so that the Holy Spirit could come. He said, if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come. So uh, Jesus ascending into heaven uh, now uh, caused the Spirit of the Father to send the Holy Spirit down, and now he dwells within the heart of every believer. Today, I want <clears throat> to build off of that by talking to you about what I believe is the church's greatest hope. Our greatest hope is what I want to focus in on today, and it comes from some of the scriptures that we talked about and, and read from last week, specifically John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Notice again, he's saying, and if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. And then we find in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, excuse me, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So now if you remember, this scripture deals with the fact that after Jesus was talking to his disciples, he began to, uh, to rise and ascend into heaven. And while the disciples are looking as he's going up, two men, angels, stood by them and said, why are you looking up? Into, the, uh, into heavens to see the Lord. The same way he rose up is the same way he will come back. So these two portions of scriptures highlight what our greatest hope is. Uh, the greatest expectation of the church is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for all who have embraced him as Lord and as Savior. One day, the Lord will return for his followers, his disciples, so that we will be with him in the Father's house in heaven forever and ever. That is our greatest hope. Now, some may say, well, why do you believe, Pastor, that that's our greatest hope? Well, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, uh, specifically in verse uh, 19, Paul said this, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be, of all people, to be pitied. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, of all people, to be pitied. In other words, the Apostle Paul was saying, if the only hope that we Christians, the people of God have is in this life that our sins are forgiven and that we can have the spirit of God dwelling within our hearts as wonderful as that is. The apostle Paul said, if all we're looking for is a good life here on this earth, then we are to be pitied among all people. Why? Because no one sacrifices more in this life than the people of God. And Paul said, there's got to be more than just this this life. And if all we're looking for is a decent, good life here on earth, then we should be pitied among all people. No, our greatest hope is that one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. That one day Jesus, the trumpet is going to sound, the Lord is going to return, and we are going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. That, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, is our greatest hope, our greatest expectation. Now, having made that statement, that that's our greatest hope, it's important that we examine this morning and talk about uh, how our greatest hope should impact the way we live now. What does the Bible teach us about this great hope, this, uh, our greatest expectation the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you have your Bible, into 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 
I'm going to begin reading in the 50th verse. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the imperishable must close itself with the imperishable. Excuse me, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So the apostle Paul here is writing that one day the trumpet is going to sound. One day uh, God's angel is going to blow a, a spiritual trumpet signaling the return from, of the Lord. And in an instant, if those who are alive, we are, our bodies are going to be instantly changed from this which is perishable. And we're going to get a new body which is imperishable. We're going to change from mortals to immortals. We're going to have a grand new body and we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever. That is the incredible hope of the church. That's our greatest hope, brothers and sisters. But now Paul said, because of this hope, Therefore, means because of what I've just said, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. So my first point in how we ought to live, how our greatest hope should impact our lives, is number one, we should stand firm and let nothing move us. In other words, we need to stand firm talking about our faith, that we need to stand firm to let nothing move us, uh, no matter what we're dealing with in life. And right now, obviously, we're dealing with this pandemic. Right now, we're dealing with sheltering in place. Right now, many of us have lost our jobs. Right now, many of us are wondering how all this is going to unfold. What's going to happen? What's the new norm going to be like? And, and, and some of us are struggling uh, with family members or loved ones or even ourselves being sick with COVID-19 and wondering how is all that going to pan out? There are a lot of questions that a lot of people are struggling with right now. Not to mention that some of us are really going stir crazy. Some of us are getting depressed, sheltering in place. That It's not easy. We understand all of that. But no matter what our struggles are, no matter what we're dealing with in this life, 
because of our greatest hope that one day the Lord is going to return. One day that trumpet is going to sound. And in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, everything is going to be transformed. Because of our greatest hope, the Bible encourages that we should stand strong in our faith, that we should let nothing move us in our faith. I'm reminded of something that Paul wrote in the second letter to the Corinthian church. In chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, in verse 14, Paul wrote this. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also with, uh, uh, raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Paul said, we know this. We know that the one who raised our Lord Jesus, the Father, from the dead, he's going to also raise us with Jesus and present us with you, fellow believers, to himself. Then he goes on to say, therefore, again, because of what I just said, because of this incredible hope, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. Because we have this incredible hope in the Lord Jesus Christ that one day the trumpet is going to sound and, and he's going to return for everyone that has put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone that has followed him, because of our greatest hope, the Apostle Paul said, we, we, we don't lose sight of what the real deal is. We got to understand that no matter what we struggle with in this life, it is light and temporary doesn't matter what the battles might be. For you and I, in the physical, it may feel like, oh my God, this is, this is too much. I can't handle this thing. This is going to be forever. When is this ever going to end? But Paul said, hey, this is all temporary. I think that one of the things that this pandemic has helped all of us, hopefully, to recognize is all the things that we have grown to trust in and rely in the things that we feel are important in this life, they are all temporary. Your savings, your investments, temporary. Here today, gone now with the pandemic, or mostly all gone. All The job that you thought was going to last the rest of your life, that career, for some of us, gone. The lifestyle that we liked to live and wanted to live, gone. Everything in this life is temporary, the Apostle Paul said, and can't be compared, no matter what the struggle is, it cannot be compared to the incredible hope that we have. The greatest hope of the people of God is that one day the Lord is going to come back and we are going to spend all eternity with the Lord. And then all of this stuff that we are dealing with here on earth uh, will, will go away and we'll recognize that was all foolishness. That was, it wasn't worth anything. Paul said, no, we've got to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Keep 
your eyes, my brothers and sisters, on what is unseen, the spiritual realm. Keep your eyes fixed. It means your attention. Make sure your heart is focused on not what you can see, but what you cannot see. And that's the, your, your spiritual future. Keep your heart fixed on the spiritual thing. Keep your heart fixed on the Lord. Because that's the only way that our faith can remain strong. When you and I have our hearts fixed, our attention is fixed on what we can see on this physical life, then be, as that physical life go, so will our faith go. In other words, if, I am, if, if my faith rested upon the economy, then as the economy goes up, my faith goes up. But equally, when the economy goes down, my faith will go down. If my faith rests upon our government and, and them making the right decisions, then when they make the right decisions, my faith will go up. But when they make the wrong decisions, my faith will go down. You see, whatever your heart is fixed on, that's what's going to determine how strong your faith is. So if our faith is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have, then no matter what goes on in the physical realm, we will be able to stand firm. We will not let anything move us. Never allow a temporary problem, a trial, to negatively impact your faith. Let's keep our eyes fixed on what we cannot see, on our Lord Jesus Christ, and the promise he has given us in his word. So, number one, in how our greatest hope should impact our lives is we should stand strong and let nothing move us. Number two, we should always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always give ourselves fully. Notice uh, back in verse uh, 58, after Paul said, let nothing move you, he said, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because we have this incredible hope that one day the Lord is going to return for us, the Apostle Paul exhorts us now that we should give ourselves to the work of the Lord, fully to the work of the Lord, all the time. Now, sadly, I believe that one of the greatest sins in the church today, I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about every single one of us that have embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Everyone whose uh, sins have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, who are sealed by the Holy Spirit, every child of God, you, you make up the church. It's not about a, a building, it's about a spiritual building made up of people, the people of God. And one of the greatest sins among the people of God today is spiritual idleness. And by that I mean when God's people neglect the very purpose for which they were saved. Listen to a familiar verse from the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, now listen, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Once again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul pens this uh, this verse, and it teaches us that we are saved for a purpose. Now, that purpose is here and now is the work that God prepared in advance for us to do. That means before you were saved, God had already prepared everything that he would desire for you to accomplish for him in his kingdom. It was already prepared for you. Before you said yes to Jesus, he had his agenda lined up for your life and for my life. Every child of God has a purpose in the kingdom of God. We were saved for that purpose, to carry out the good work that God prepared in advance. Now, sadly, as I said, the bulk of the work in most churches including this one, is done by the few. We have a lot of God's children who love to come to church and sit and enjoy just to receive. But sadly, they're not fulfilling God's purpose for their life. When I was thinking about this, I thought about what it would be like if you were well off financially and you hired someone to come into your home and be your personal chef. You had a full-time chef. Their job isn't to clean. Their job isn't to do anything else in the house. Their job is not to make the beds. They have one purpose, and that purpose is to cook your meals. That's why you hired them. But now consider, if you will, that you did that, but every time you would come in to the home, they were sitting down watching television, and they were never in the kitchen. They never cooked any of the meals that they were supposed to cook for you. They were busy just sitting around enjoying themselves, uh, availing themselves of everything in the home that was, but not participating in the very reason for which you hired them. Well, it's like that in the kingdom of God. This is the home, if you will, the place where God's people gather. And God has a purpose for everyone that he brings into a local assembly. If you're watching and you're a member of another church, praise God. I thank you for uh, visiting with us today and, and hearing this message. I hope and pray that you are actively engaged in your church. Now, I understand that right now uh, that's not possible, uh, that we have uh, this uh, stay in, in shelter in place thing, and we can't really meet right now. But I'm going to talk to you in a, minute, in a minute about how we still can serve the Lord. But think about the fact that we have a lot of God's people who God brought into his house for the very purpose of fulfilling a task, good work that he began, that he planned for you to do. But then you're sitting around idle, not fulfilling God's purpose. What would God say? How would God feel? I know Uh, They would come to a point where if I came home and that chef continued to uh, be idle, continued to do what they wanted to do and not what they were brought in to do, 
ultimately, I think in the natural, you know, they'd get fired, and rightly so. But what about spiritually? Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, it says this, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. We urge you to warn every brother and sister who is idle. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? Let me warn you. Warn somebody who just sits and doesn't do anything in the church. Warn them who are not actively engaged in fulfilling God's purpose for their life. What kind of warning are we supposed to give them? Well, let's look to Matthew chapter 25. This is Jesus once again talking to his disciples. Beginning of verse 26, there was a man who had been a servant who had been given a task uh, by the master to invest some, mo- some monies. And while he was gone and the master came back, and so now he had to come and stand before his master to give an account for what he did. In verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. This is the servant that did nothing. That was idle. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, and they, uh, excuse me, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now here's the verse. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So three servants had been given investments, a bag of of gold to invest for the master while he was away. One had five bags of gold, one had two bags of gold, and one had one bag of gold. The one who had five gained five more. So he doubled his master's investment in him. The The one who had two doubled and he had four. So he also doubled his master investment. But this one servant now didn't have any. This one servant went and buried the one, uh, the bag of gold, didn't do anything with it. And so when he came back, when the master returned, he, he, he stood before the master and said, here's what's yours, I'm giving it back to you. He never thought that the master would look at him and call him a wicked and lazy servant. Wicked because he took that which was precious. He took the master's investment and he buried it and did nothing with that. My brothers and sisters, the question I want you to consider this morning is what are you doing with what, that which God has deposited in you? Are you putting it to work in the kingdom of God? Are you multiplying the gifting that God has put in you? Please don't tell me you don't have a gift. Everybody has been given at least one gift, something that, uh, that the master has purpose for you to use to invest and to build up his kingdom. Every servant of God has at least one. And the scriptures are teaching us here that when the master returns and we are all going to stand and have to give an account before the master, one of the things he's going to look at is, what have you done with that which I've deposited within you? I prepared 
good works for you to do. I saved you for a purpose. What have you done with that which I have purposed for your life? And if you have done nothing, then you stand the risk of being called a wicked and lazy servant by the Lord. And then ultimately, you are cast into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, some people say, well, what is that place? Let me just put it this way. It ain't heaven. And so there are people who think that they can embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior and just sit around the church for the rest of their life and do nothing and just enjoy, enjoy. That's why the Bible says, warn those who are idle. My brothers and sisters, hear the warning of the Holy Spirit today. Make sure that you are busy doing the Master's work, you see. Because the Lord is going to deal harshly with those who are idle when he's returned. Now, in our current situation, because obviously we're not having church services, so there's, uh, we may be limited in how we can serve uh, the Lord in his house. But there are ways that you and I can still serve the Lord. We can use social media to talk to our loved ones, to talk to our friends. We can use that which is available to you and I at this very hour to, to share the gospel. We can make, pick up the phone and call people. We can pray for people. There are ways that God can still use us in this hour to build up his kingdom. And I believe with all my heart, if you and I, We'll pray and seek God's face and ask him, Lord, I want to be used by you in this hour. Show me what to do and how to do it. The Holy Spirit, whose ministry is to lead and guide us, he will show us exactly what we need to do. And if you are in agreement with that, come on, give me a like, say amen on there, type in amen, do something on that social media so I know that you're with us. Okay. So we should stand strong. That's number one. Let nothing move us. Because of this, our greatest hope of the Lord's return. We should always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And can, or let me add a little footnote to that part. Notice that the Bible said we should always give ourselves fully. I believe that that's teaching us that there's no such thing as a vacation from God. There are people that often come to me. I've been a pastor now for many years. Uh, I won't say how long because I recently celebrated uh, my 30th birthday for more than 30 times. But let me say this. Over those years, sadly, I've heard so many people often say, Pastor, I just need a break. I just, need to, I just need to relax and chill for a while. I mean, I love God. I just want to take a break. You know what the Bible says? A little folding of the hands. Just a little time of rest and scarcity can come. I have seen precious saints of God backslide while they're resting. Now, do we all get tired from time to time, physically, mentally, emotionally? I get that. So we have vacation times and all that to re recharge our batteries. 
but we need to be very careful about taking a break from ministry. Aren't you glad? I know that you are, that Jesus Christ never takes a break, for he always lives to intercede for you and for me. Right now, he's praying for every single one of us, and our Lord never takes a break, and we need to recognize we should always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, not halfway, fully. That's my second point. Here's the third one. We should live holy and godly lives. I'm going to turn now to uh, 2 Peter for that. In chapter 3 of 2 Peter, verses 10 through 12, the beginning of 12, listen to what it says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? The you is every believer. Peter is writing to the church. What kind of people ought you to be? Listen, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. You ought to live holy and godly lives. In other words, to secure our greatest hope in spending eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ, we have to be living godly and holy lives. Now, what does that mean? It means this. Part of the Christian journey is the understanding that we are to be transformed into the character of Christ. It's not about a better you. In other words, God is not interested in making Carlos a better person. Carlos has been and always will be sinful to the core. Please don't ever put me on a pedestal. Uh, don't ever think that I'm holier than you. No, I'm not. We all have this thing within us called a sinful nature that God is never interested in changing. In fact, he wants to crucify that sinful nature so that the life of his son, Jesus Christ, might live through us. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. That's what the Bible teaches us there. So, the Christian journey is the process of divine transformation. Less of Carlos, more of Jesus in this life. Where the character of this life is transformed and becomes the character of Jesus Christ. You see more Jesus than you see of Carlos. And I know that's a good place for you to say amen to that. You all want to see more of Jesus than, and less of me, for sure. So, living godly lives, holy lives, meaning we need to be living lives of moral purity. Again, remember, we represent Jesus Christ on the earth. We represent God on the earth, a holy God who demands holiness from his people. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, is without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, you and I, we can't live as we please, satisfying this sinful nature. We can't live selfish lives here on the earth and then expect that when we stand before God, when Jesus comes back, that we're going to go with him. 
No, no, no. Listen, there are Christians today, sadly, who are living together and not married. There are people who are professed Christians who have embraced Christ as their Savior, but they are living lives that they know is sinful before God, but they are unwilling to change. And the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There's going to be an exception. God's not going to make an exception when you say, well, you know, I, I know uh, that you meant well, uh, but you were living with someone and you were shacking up. You weren't really married, but you had that thing. Well, we love each other and God understands. You know what God's going to say? No, I don't understand. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Brothers and sisters, not only do we have to be busy about our Father's business, but we need to recognize the Lord is coming back for a holy people, a godly people. Our greatest hope is the return of the Lord, coming back for those who have embraced him as Lord and Savior. And this incredible hope should impact our lives. We should stand strong and let nothing move us. We should live holy and godly lives. Now, notice that, and, and then the, 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 the one in between, and that we should always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So, internally, from a faith perspective, we should be strong, and let nothing move us. From an external perspective, we need to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We need to be busy about the Master's work. And we should be, with the help of the Holy Spirit, being transformed, living godly lives, so that when that trumpet sounds, we will be ready for his return. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we come before you this morning so thankful for your word, God. So thankful that today we can be reminded that of our greatest hope. Our greatest expectation should never be a blessed physical life. It's wonderful to have that as an expectation, but our greatest expectation ought to be your return, Lord, that one day you are going to have the angel sound the trumpet signaling your return. And in that instant, our physical bodies will be transformed, those of us who are alive at that moment. And those who have gone on ahead of us will rise from the grave with their new body. And together, we will rise up and be with you forever and ever in the place that right now you're preparing for us. That is our greatest hope. And because of this, we should stand firm and let nothing move us. I pray, Father, that today we would recognize how critical it is to maintain a strong faith. How important it is not to look at the external life and, and, and put our faith in any of those things, but to put our faith in that which is unseen, to put our faith in you, Lord, in the hope that we have, in the plan that you have for our life, oh God, in the Spirit leading and guiding us so that no matter what we are dealing with physically, 
we will be able to stay strong. We'll be able to now allow that to move us, to, say, to relinquish our faith, to let go of our faith. And I pray, Father, that we would give ourselves to the work of the Lord. I know that in these times, we can't gather, so there, we can't work in the ministries within the scope of the church, but there are so many other ways right now that we can serve you, Lord. And I pray that every single one of us will begin seeking your face, Father. Every single one of us will begin lifting up our hearts to you and asking that question, Father, how can I serve you in this hour? What can I do that will fulfill your purpose for our life. After all, Father, you knew this was going to happen. And I believe with all my heart, the work of the Lord doesn't stop because there's a pandemic. Souls still need to get saved. Souls still need to hear the message of the gospel. Help us and show us how we can communicate that and how we can serve you. And I pray, Father, that even now the Spirit of the Lord will show us whether we are living godly and holy lives. That if there's an area in our life that falls short of the mark, that we will be convicted and we will turn from that sin and we would get it right in your eyes, oh God. We want to be right in your eyes. We want to be a godly people. We want to be a holy people. We want to have that testimony before the eyes of man and even more importantly, before your eyes. Holy Spirit, strengthen us in all these things so that we, the people of God, will be ready when that trumpet sounds and our greatest hope is fulfilled. We thank you in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord with me. Thanks for joining us today. Again, if this message was a blessing to you, the worship was a blessing to you, like us on that page. Uh, get the word out to your friends and your family members. Let's use these times as a means to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can see more people Turn to Jesus in this hour. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.